Have you ever been so unhappy that you've used food and sleep to escape? That was me a few years ago. I was so unhappy with my job and my life as a whole that I used to pretty much set an alarm for just before 5pm every single day, just before my lovely wife Zainab would come home and I would literally rush out of bed, do the dishes and pretend like I'd been up for the entire day. The most visible aspect of this was my weight. Weighing in at over 80 kilos and on the brink of being obese, it's fair to say I wasn't exactly in the best shape of my life. So I took action and I addressed what I thought was the easiest thing to do, and that was the weight. So I began going to a gym, and I now have a job that I absolutely love. However, in the process of losing all that weight, my mindset changed. A combination of my desire to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through, and my own love for cars, I present to you the Behind the Wheel podcast, a place to occasionally hear from people who work with and or own some pretty cool cars, to hear how they've got to where they are in the pursuit of inspiring you to take the steps you need to build a life based on your passion. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, the culmination of my huge passion for cars, as well as my goal to inspire you to take the steps you need to build a life around your own passions and interests. I am absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Stefan Oatway, Managing Director of Oatway Designs. Oatway Design offer, offer mechanical and, and electrical building design services for new and existing buildings, employing experienced engineers with a wealth of knowledge to ensure clients always receive the best possible service. Stefan is responsible for transforming what was already a successful company, taking it through a pivotal re- renaming and rebranding phase, as well as developing it on its own service offerings that now includes not only building service designs, but also surveying, client advisory, and building simulation. Alongside the success that Stefan has achieved as a result of a powerful mindset, Stefan is an ambassador for Atlantic Style, family-run design jewellery company that's mission is to provide a unique piece of jewellery with a story. Stefan also has a pretty immense passion for cars, and as a result of these two things, mindset and cars and business and entrepreneurship, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome him onto the podcast. Stefan, welcome. Morning. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely my pleasure, absolutely my pleasure. Stefan, I want to kick things off uh, firstly with, um, I suppose, uh, what does mindset mean to you and how important has that been to your success so far? Um, mindset is it's, it's key thing, really, to be honest. Um, I think a positive mindset and a clear direction of where you're going is, is key to any business and any, any kind of success whether it's in life or business. Absolutely, absolutely. Where does it all, all begin for you? I mean, talk us through kind of, um, you know, growing up, um, what was it like for you and what were some of the kind of the experiences or lessons that you kind of learned or developed in your early days of, of, uh, of, of growing up? What's your story, if you like? Oh, well, yeah. To be honest, well, the early days, um, you know, it's, I had a happy childhood, very happy. Uh, it was a broken family, so it wasn't an easy childhood. Um, I did very well at junior school. When I went to senior school, I think that's where some issues started as such. Um, I know that's going to be the typical teenage angst going on, but... I started to become and feel like a victim. So I'd always victimise everything um, and felt like I was becoming a victim. So I started blaming other people for things that just weren't happening. So if I was doing bad at school, for instance, I started blaming somebody else. If I did bad at, I don't know, home life, I started blaming somebody else. Um, And I think if I move on a few years... The key thing for me is a bit like you, Mo. I, you know, I had an issue with weight, and I've I've always had an issue with weight throughout my life. Um, coincided with a a bad relationship, shall we say? Um, and all of a sudden, I found myself at twenty stone, um, wow. which is wow. shocking and horrendous. Um, but again, I kept being a victim. You know, it's not my fault I was I was overweight. It's not my fault I couldn't have a good job. It's not my fault that I didn't have X, Y, and Z. It's always blaming somebody else. 
Um, and it was only when I started standing up to myself um, and figuring out, hey, nobody else is to blame. It's me. So take responsibility mm-hmm. and do something about it. Stop blaming other people. Um, and uh, I think I think the weight loss was a key thing. Um, I always remember a friend of mine. Um, we were on a on a night out, as you do when you're mid twenties. Um, uh, at the end of the evening, both had a good night. Come back. Obviously, he's a. I, I always call him Mr. Baywatch because he always gets all the girls, um, or used to anyway. And then being being twenty stone, obviously, you know, I might have a great sense of humour, but that doesn't take you very far. Um, and I had a bit of a heart to heart with him after a night out, um, and he openly just said, "If you're overweight, you don't like it, do something about it. Stop whining. Stop whinging." So, although it's hard to hear at that time, um, I took that on board and to be honest, it stayed with me and it doesn't matter what I put myself to now and what I do, I always remember that don't be a victim, take control of your life and take control of what you do in your opportunities. That's amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, and I, I, you know you're, you're absolutely right. I think I think often in in hard situations, it's so easy to blame everyone else apart from yourself and take real you know responsibility and and accountability for your life. Um, I mean, for, for you, um, was it kind of a, you know just a switch on moment for you, or did it happen over over time that you realised well, actually, you know what, it is just up to me to make my life how I want it to be. Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, started this victimization or my own uh, putting my own being a victim or myself being a victim. It started sort of, I'd say, midway through secondary school. Um, And it wasn't until probably mid 20s that I had this heart to heart and sit down with my friend and he, he sort of said, stop being a victim and take control. So throughout that time it's it's very easy and it's a safety barrier to blame someone else you know it's it's never it's never nice to take it on board and to say you know stand up for yourself it's just the safety net that you know a lot of a lot of people have got it's human nature really i suppose yeah absolutely and and how is how is that translated well actually before i go on to on to Onto that. Um, in terms of your business, talk us through, um, I suppose, um, a little bit about the business. Um, what is it that you guys do at the moment? Uh, what we do is uh, mechanical and electrical design consultants for uh, industrial and commercial buildings. Um, now, I say that to a lot of people and they sit and go straight across the head. Um, but basically what we do is, if you look at uh, an analogy of a, of a human a human body, an architect will make it look half decent or good. Um, the structural engineer is the bones, so it will make it stand up. Everything else, the heart, the veins, the liver, the kidneys, everything else that makes that body work is down to the mechanical electrical design consultant. Um, and it's the same with a car. You know, a car might look fantastic. But without an engine or a gearbox or a drive shaft or wheels, it's pointless. Okay. And can, can you give us a, a sort of a, a, a practical example of that? I mean, I know obviously you've given the analogy, but if you were to take a building, um, what from, from a, a person has no idea of, of you know, structural engineering or buildings or whatever, um, can you just give us an, a, a practical example of the sort of stuff that you guys might, might, uh, might do? Yeah, sure. Um, we say uh, a new supermarket. Let's just use a supermarket as a as a template. Um, the architects will will generally design the features and the externals and the and the layout of the building, um, and they will employ uh, somebody like ourselves, who will design the incoming electric, the incoming gas, the incoming water, etc. And then also with inside the building, you have the ventilation, the air conditioning, the heating, 
the the data, the electrics, uh, CCTV, all these things that make that building work. And also these items are required for building regulations and British standards and all the other, you know, standards in the things we have to sort of achieve to make that building work. Um, and also the, the client's needs and requirements as well. Okay. I'm sure I'm sure that each each client must be quite different in terms of their specific needs and specific kind of uh, things that they're after. Yeah, certainly do get you do get um, different clients. You get some which are challenging, um, but some generally they're all really good to work with. And if you think about a project, it could be it could be multi multi millions pounds that these clients are sell, uh, spending on a project. So they want it right, and they want it to how that the standard that they need it. And they need it to operate how they want it to work. So, yeah, why shouldn't they be picky? Why shouldn't they be um, challenging us designers to make sure we get it right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, talk us through, um, in, in terms of, um, you know, fr- from what I understand, um, this was a business which you obviously took over. Um, what are some of the kind of the, the challenges in the early days that you experienced and how do you sort of go about um, getting, getting over those? Um, I've been, I've personally been in the industry for 20, 25 years, I think somewhere around there. Um, And working throughout different consultancies and different parts of the industry, I wanted to gain as much information and as much knowledge and experience as I could. Um, uh, my father was always has always been in the industry as well. Um, we he had a company called D and J Oatway, and D and J Oatway was a very very small family family business. Well, I say small; it was him and his and my stepmother who who ran the business. Successful business, um, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying he was never had the ambition to make it a large business. Um, to grow the business he was quite happy to keep the business small make sure there's enough money to keep him comfortable and he was quite happy with that um wind the clock on till he was becoming or coming closer to retirement age we had a little sit down in a chat um and he was he was on the understanding that he was gonna just slowly wind the company up and let it let it rest um, and I said I was interested in in getting involved in in taking it over, if that was something that we could talk about and something that we could put into action. Um, he was happy to. Uh, we moved on, and now the company's been going for for seven. You know, I've been taking it over for seven years. Um, but what I wanted to do is keep that. Outway part because that's quite specific in the industry and well known within the southwest. Um, keeping that outway was quite key, but the D and J, being my father and my stepmom's initials, was no longer needed. So I wanted to revitalise the company, build it into Outway Design, give it a give it a website, give it a refresh, give it a rebrand and a reintroduction to the industry which has been greatly received, um, which is really nice to see. And the company grows, it's growing slowly. Um, I don't want to rush into things. I think sometimes small steps are, are the way forward. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that kind of rebranding um, sort of phase, how, how hard was that? And um, what what were some of kind of the, the the sort of key sort of challenges with with kind of taking something that was you know as you said, a, a small family business into something that was bigger? What what was some of the main kind of hardest things to kind of um, you know address? Um, I'm quite a, a quite a persistent and stubborn kind of person, so if I ever put my mind to something, I will make it work. I will not give up until I achieve what I want to achieve. Um, and, you know, through through grants, because I had a couple of grants which allowed me to to build the website and to build um, a presence in more more advertisement throughout the Southwest. Um, with that, 
along with keeping that Oatsway name, which was quite key, um, it allowed me to to use the uh, my father's old phone book, shall we say, or client client book. Uh, and also I took some clients that I've met and um, worked with throughout the time I've been in the industry. Uh, thankfully, they some of them come on board as well, um, which you know, allowed me a foot base. Obviously, there's challenging times financially and, um, you know, reputation as well. But again, if you don't try, you don't know. Um and you know, I think per you know, I think you only fail if you stop trying. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, it was. Yeah, um, I think it was good. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm quite glad I did it. In seven years in, I might have less hair, but I think I think I think we're doing all right. What what sort of um, what what keeps you going? Um, you know, in those tough times, um, you know, is it, is it, what, what is it kind of just drives you and, 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 and forces you to kind of get up every single day, you know, even when the times are tough, even when, you know, perhaps things aren't going your way, what keeps you going? Uh, again, not being a victim, not blaming it on other people, taking responsibility for what I do. Um, and like I say, I'm 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 a stubborn kind of person. If I put my mind to something, I will achieve it. Um, so I think getting out of bed every morning, whether it's been a bad day previously or whether it's been a bad week or you're expecting it to be a bad day, whatever it might well be, take the challenge on the chin, um, use it, learn from it, and make it drive you forward. You mentioned earlier about, um, you know, um, the importance of being healthy and, and, and keeping fit and, and how that's had a really positive impact on, on your life as a whole. Um, could you maybe just tell us a little bit about your, some of your, sort of your, your practical day-to-day habits or um, the things that you do um, to kind of keep you, keep you performing at, at the best possible pace and, 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 and way of working? Well, it's probably about 60 cigarettes a day and four, four, four bottles of wine. No, it's not actually, no. <laughs> um, it's, um, <laughs> um, I think being 20 stone, it's, it, it makes you reflect on some really, really, really bad times in your life. Um, and I'll just add that I'm 12 stone, 12 and a half stone now, shall I say. So I have got the weight down, but, um, I think I think again it's I don't know if if you if you feel good in yourself and you feel fit in yourself I think that reflects right through your body and your persona and your attitude as well um I try I, I try and do some home gym three or four times a week um I try to eat as healthily as possible we all have bad days you know yesterday I had a nice burger in a in a beer garden but I try to do my best to eat healthily um, because I will not get overweight again. Full stop. It's not going to happen. Um, so I do my best not to. Yeah. I mean, they. I, I had this thing, which, you, know, you, you, you have to hit, you know, kind of rock bottom. Or you have to hit a really, really bad place in your life to then be able to get back up again. Uh, was that the case with you and, and I suppose the weight? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, being <laughs> being twenty, so I keep harking on, but being twenty stone is it's just it's not a nice place to be. And again, people don't realise food is an addiction. You know, if you're addicted to cigarettes, you can stop smoking. You're if you're an alcoholic, uh, please don't say I'm finding this. You know, it's not easy to give up any kind of addiction. But if you're an alcoholic, you can you can stop drinking. If you if you gamble, you can stop gambling. You need to eat. You know you have to eat. Um, and a lot of a lot of these uh, takeaways in supermarkets, in branding, in packaging, it all looks great. Colors, you know, great attitude about the packaging and put together. A lot of these products contain so much salt and so much sugar and so much fat 
because it helps them say, sell the products because they're the addictive parts that you crave. So, you know, it, again, I don't want to be a victim. So I'm, I, I told myself that, no, I'm not going to bow over in breach to the fact that you could have, you know, some glamorous, fantastic packaging or you can go down to find some fast food to feed yourself. No, I'm going to eat healthily. Um, and, you know, there's a, you know, there's, there's a few medical reasons as well that, you know, I, I wanted to lose weight because I weren't, wasn't happy with myself. Um, I used to have asthma, for instance. Um, it was, wasn't, wasn't heavy or bad asthma, but it was there. Once I lost the weight, I haven't touched an inhaler since. Wow. Wow. Um, if, if you could just paint us a picture of, I suppose, you know, um, Stefan, you know, in, in those days when you were really overweight, what did a typical day look like for you? What is it that you were doing? Just kind of help people understand and, and contextualize your life back then versus, versus now, I guess. Yeah, it was, um, I used to keep myself to myself. I was quite uh, an introvert. Um, you know, eating wise, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a great lot of snacking or picking of food, but I, I used to take things to the extreme. So if I had a meal, I would eat enough to make me feel as full as I could, I could feel. Um, and I thought that's what, that's what you do. You eat to, to, to fill up and, you know, and it took a while to realize that you don't eat to fill up, you eat for fuel and that's all it is. Um, you know, if you, if you sit with a, a small bowl of pasta, it's absolutely fine. You don't need a two bowls of pasta and garlic bread and ice cream and whatever not you put on it. You know, you don't need all that. You just need to a certain amount just to keep yourself going. Um, and, you know, losing weight, I used Weight Watchers. You know, as good as, good as it is, uh, I'm not advertising for Weight Watchers, but, you know, it worked for me because being a, a persistent, stubborn person, if I'm given 30 points to eat a day, I'll eat 28, thank you, and I won't go over. Mm-hmm. Because if you go over again, you're becoming a victim. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I, I when I was losing weight, you know, my my coach told me eat slowly, and I had no idea what he meant. And um, he said eat slowly and eat only till you're almost almost full. You know, about seventy percent. And I didn't know what he meant until, you know, when you just have like even just a grape by itself um, and you eat it slowly, um, you can feel yourself getting getting a bit full. Um, even, even a chocolate bar, if you eat it quickly, it's amazing how, you know, within a very short amount of time, just by being mindful about what you're eating, you actually feel your body getting getting full. But often we eat so quickly then we overeat and then we feel like massively, massively bloated. Um, is that something that you were doing as well when you were kind of losing that? Absolutely, that, that absolutely. And I think, you know, a key thing is, is is drinking with your food as well. And I mean water or not not alcohol. But, you know, if you have a drink with your food, yeah. Yeah. you know, water fills you up as well. Um, you know, like you say, if you sit in, in Wolf down a meal, you're then sat there bored thinking, oh, okay, what do I do now? I'm still hungry. Um, if you, if you, let's say, eat slowly, I think you find that you do fill up better and you feel full in yourself and you're drinking water, which also fills you up yourself. Um, and I just think, you know, it's, again, it's, it's mindset that like you say, you know, if you, if you say to yourself, this is my meal, this is what I'm going to eat. Brilliant, fantastic. But if you eat that and then say, oh, I want a bag of crisps or I want a biscuit or I want some ice cream or I want X, Y and Z. That's the issue. Again, you're becoming, I keep saying it, you're becoming a victim. You know, it's not, it's not my fault I wanted that bag of crisps. I was just hungry. It was not my fault. But there's no one else to blame. Nobody's going to stand up and wave their finger at you and say, no, you can't have that bag of crisps. It's only yourself. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. One of the, um, the, the the biggest things that I had as a bit of a as a bit of a out of nowhere hit me, and it was it was the realization that no matter what you eat, whether it's a bit of steak or whether it's an apple or whether it's a you know packet of crisps, the feeling of full is the exact same, right? So the only the only difference is the three or four seconds that's actually in your mouth. Right. And for me, that was the realization that I needed to actually savor those those three or four seconds that is actually in your mouth. Because after you gob it down, the feeling of fullness is it's not like you feel better full with a chocolate bar than as compared to a you know a, a healthy apple or whatever it is. The feeling of full is the exact same. And for me, that was the the thing I need to kind of just make sure that, that whatever I'm eating, I'm just eating in a way that I'm actually enjoying the food rather than just eating for the sake of it, you know? And again, that's the speed you eat, isn't it, really? If it spends longer in your mouth, you're grasping that, that, that flavour that you crave. Once you swallow it, it's gone, you know? <laughs> exactly right. Um, I find it I find it more difficult now because I have a, a, a 10-year-old son running around the house. Um, and a 10-year-old son, being a 10-year-old son, always craves chocolate and biscuits. Um, so I try not to have too many of them in the house, but... When they're laying there waving at you when you're hungry, it's quite hard to resist sometimes. <laughs> I want to, um, I want to just uh, get, go back to business for a second. Um, you know, when you've got a business that is, you know, that is, um, you know, it's it, it's set up. You've got a brand name. Um, you know, is it is it in any way harder to, I suppose, you know, keep that momentum going? to be on top of your game, to keep striving as it is compared to when you're starting off, you know, fresh, new faced, you know, um, perhaps not as developed as you are now. Is it, is it hard to keep at that, at that level? It, it takes, it takes, um, it takes effort. It does take effort and it's not easy. Um, I won't pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Um, but the drive for me is, I quite like expensive things in life um, and to afford these expensive stuff, you have to do well. Um, and it's also, you know, we, we've, we found quite a niche in the, in the local market um, where I'd like to, I like to think, you know, we're not, we're not the big, we're not the big boys that, 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 that are local, the big consultant engineers, but there is, there is a gap below that we, we fit into quite nicely um, and I think knowing your market, knowing your clients, um, I think that's quite key. But yeah, it's not easy. The Southwest being being quite unique because um, if I, you know to try and work with 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 clients or customers um, who are north, so say for instance Manchester or Birmingham or somewhere like that. It's quite difficult because they foresee the southwest as being remote. Um, you're miles away. You can't possibly do a project in in Manchester. But at the end of the day, I can jump on a train and be wherever I want, um, and it shouldn't it shouldn't hold things back. But it it does it does have its challenges. Yes, of course. I think any business do, it does. Um, but again, you know. I put I, I put my mind, time, and effort into into making the company a success. Then again, I will I will succeed at that, and I won't give up, and I won't settle until until I foresee it as being successful. That's amazing. Um, reflecting on on where you are now, um, you know what. What advice, what practical things would you have loved to or would you have loved to pass on to your younger self uh, or younger people, um, both from a, a entrepreneurial perspective, but also from a more kind of personal mindset perspective? You mentioned there about the need to move away from, you know, placing blame and, and, and not taking real accountability and ownership of, of your situation. Um, what else would you be quite keen to have, you know, told your younger self or other young people um, taking into account where you are right now? Uh, <laughs> good question. Um, there was a, there was a, a, 
as strange as it sounds, there was an advert on TV a, a fair few years ago now. I think it was Dr. Peppers. And their, their phrase was, what's that worst that can happen? And for some reason, that stuck with me. And what I do now is if I come up against a challenge or if I come up against something that takes takes me to make a big leap forward and to, to go into that, that decision, not blind, but, you know, with, with a lot of risk involved, I just look at that phrase and think to myself, well, what is the worst that can happen? So I sit and visualise that, that, that item that can be so bad, you know, whatever it might well be. I might fail, you know, this, this terminology fail. Um, again, I, I visualize what that would look like. So if I, if I was starting a new business, for instance, okay, if it failed, what would that be like? Okay, so I tried it. It didn't work. Okay, I'll go back to another, another job. I'll do back, back doing what I was doing. It's not failure. Because I've tried something, and I think a lot of people respect will respect you for trying. Um, so yeah, I think I think mean, Dr. Peppers. That's what I always call it. What's the worst that can happen? And um, but again, if you if you look at uh, if you look back when you're thirteen, fourteen years old, and you're going to ask that girl out that you think's amazing, and you're sat there all sweaty palms, thinking, oh, I don't know if I can ask her out. You know, what can happen? What can happen? But the worst that can happen is she says no, and that's that's not that bad, is it really? Um, but yeah, and and I do think I think finding a finding a role model is is quite key, uh, and also finding a mentor as well. Um, now, I don't mean to I don't mean to um, disrespect anybody that that has appeared on Made in Chelsea or or Love Island. But I don't think these these kind of TV programs perceive people as role models because they're certainly not role models. Um, I think your role model is somebody that you respect um, and somebody who's doing well within within your industry or your field or however you what direction you want to go. Um, but I think yeah, role models. Um, I think they're quite key as well wherever you might find them. What I mean, that's it's such a good point that I think I think people actually don't appreciate uh, enough the importance of role models and having someone to guide you and mentor you and just make sure that you're being held accountable to the things that you have said that you would that you would do. Like for me personally, I, I, I can't value enough my own life coach, my own personal trainer who's, who makes sure that I get a plan together and I stick to it and just having someone just to make sure that you are being held accountable to what you've said is really important. Um if, for, you know, as someone who is, who is who is a business owner who, you know, perhaps would be in a position to, to one day mentor someone, if you're not mentoring someone already, um, what is it that you would look for if someone was to ask you, Stefan, you know what, I would, I would, I would love to be your mentee. Um, what is it that kind of, that, they, that, that you would look for in them? Uh, dedication. Dedication, commitment, um, and also responsibility. Um, you know, we all we all make mistakes. We're only human. You know, we're not we're not computers, or even computers make mistakes. But it's a case of if you if you if you made accountable for what you do. Sorry, I've lost your video there, Mo. But I'll keep going anyway. Um, if you're accountable for what you do, yeah, you, take, you you take responsibility. Um, and I think taking responsibility is a, is a key point. Um, being positive, uh, you're going to have a positive attitude to, to what you do. Um, I think, yeah, I think if I try to mentor somebody, well, I, 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 I've got, I have a young trainee with me at the moment who, who I'm mentoring and I'm trying to, trying to get him to look upon and be, be a bit more positive about, about the direction in his life and, and, the work situation um but yeah so it's really really interesting um in terms of passion i mean something that i'm always kind of thinking about in my head and i'm having these chats with other people on 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 the podcast is about passion and 
you know, whether it's something that is you that, that, that you're born with or is it culminated over time? Um, in my view, I think it's a bit of both. But I'd love to hear from you as to what does passion mean to you and, and how have you gone about turning that passion into a career and actually obviously making money out of it as well? Because I, I presume, you know, you love what you do. Um, what's your thoughts on that and how have you gone about sort of cultivating that kind of passion? Um, again, again, passion is, is, is quite a, it's quite an open word, isn't it, really? Um, my passion would be a, a mm. Formula One driver or, or a world superbike racer. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go out with, with, um, engineering design consultancy as being my passion. I didn't, I didn't spend my early days thinking, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. I wanted to be a spaceman or a fireman or a Formula One driver. Um, but I think it's, it's what opportunities come your way. Um, and I, I do want to say that opportunities are only present if you put yourself in a situation where, where these are available. A lot of people say, a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, you, you would just, you know, you're in the right place at the right time or it's lucky that you've got that. Well, it's not luck. I put myself in the opportunity, in the position where I could have conversations that have opened doors, which have allowed me to get where I've got to. Um, yeah. Um, but passion, yeah. I, again, it's it's the it's the whole perseverance you know and the whole dedication i've got to to not failing and not not giving up you know and I'm achieving what i what i'm trying yeah, to achieve yeah. i want to um i want to kind of um if you'd be happy just just kind of just to kind of paint the picture a little bit about that very pivotal chat you had with, with your dad um where you know you proposed you know taking over um what was going through your mind? How did that go down? And um, you know, what just helps kind of picture what was what what was going on and, and, and what what made you want to kind of make that decision, if you like. Because that that is such an interesting quite a quite a brave thing to do, I guess. It must have been very scary. Yeah, well it's really scary, definitely, definitely scary. Um but I will say Dr. Peppers again, see what's the worst that can happen. Um but it was um <laughs> You know, I've, I've I've worked for other consultants or other companies. Great as it has been, and great as they are, very successful they are. I've always felt that I could do it slightly different, and in my 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 ways, I think it could be slightly better. Um, and by having that attitude, I thought to myself, well, the only way I'm going to achieve that is if I do it myself, and if I if I take this opportunity. I can do it the way I think's better. I can do it the way I think would make more sense. Um, and again, you know, it was a. <laughs> we're it's funny because we're at a mug, uh, rugby match and we had a couple of beers, which always makes makes us uh, talk a bit better, a bit more freely. Um, but again, I you know it's, it's laughable, but it you know I just sat and thought, what is the worst that can happen? You know, I wanted to I wanted to set up my own business, or I wanted to go across to be a managing director because I, you know, I was quite successful in what I do. Um, and if I'm successful in what I do, if it don't work, I'll just go back and get another job. It's not an issue. But if I don't try, I'm never going to know. Um, and again, failure is only you only fail if you don't try. Yeah, well, I want to, I want to, I want to touch this on this on this failure um, thing that you know, you know, I, I think so many people are scared about what if this happens, what if that happens, what if people look at me in the wrong way, what if I get judged, what if my parents won't like the idea of this, um, you know, um, and obviously the importance of remembering that what's the worst that can happen um, for you. Um, you know, what would be your advice if someone is in that situation where taking that big leap of faith and, and you know, even even if they're, they're in this place where they know that the worst that could happen is this, right? 
but they're still a little bit too afraid to make that big, that big jump, right? Um, what would you recommend for them if 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 that big jump is just far far too big? There is there is an element of you know I keep saying you know what's the worst that can happen, but there is an element of risk, um, and I think you have to you you know a piece of A4 paper, two columns, pros and cons. And it's as simple as that. You know, you've got, you've got the pros of what you're trying to achieve. You've got the, you've got the cons. Um, and I think, yes, it has to be an educated guess or sorry, an educated move. But again, you know, I don't think, you, you know, you mentioned parents and friends and people pointing the finger and what they're going to do. They're going to laugh at you for, for trying. Nobody's going to laugh at you for trying. Um, my parents are quite quite closed people, um, but now they openly say, you know, very proud of you, what you've achieved in your life and what you've done and how you've done it. Um, but even if I tried and I failed as such, if you want to use that phrase, nobody's going to laugh at you. Nobody's going to point a finger. They're all going to stand and say, well, I'll tell you what, well done. Good on you for trying. I can't imagine Richard Branson has ever failed, has he? You know, he's never classed as... Of course he's failed. That's just what... That's, that's, na- that's, not, that's nature. That's what happens. Um, there's many people out there who have failed businesses. But again, if they don't try, they'll never know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think and the way that I see failure is 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 the steps you need to take to get to success. And I think often we see failure as the end point rather than just a cog in the process of getting to where you want to get to. And it's so easy to look at, you know, um, and, 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 and I'm sure people will, will look at you and, and, and I suppose see you as the finished product or they'll look at Richard Branson or, you know, the, the, the guys that have built successful businesses and look at, well, you know what, that's because he is who he is but they don't quite realize the amount of hardship, determination, and if you don't want me saying failure to get, to get to where they've got to. And I don't think there's just enough of a, of a, of a, uh, a realization of that. Yeah. I, I certainly don't call myself a finished, finished item quite yet. Um, you know, in the day there's, everybody's got goals, but their perspective, you know, what I might foresee as being a goal, somebody else might, might not, you know, my goal now is to, to build the company a bit more, make it uh, slightly bigger, obviously increase turnover as we all like turnover. Um, and, you know, I, I have another business which isn't doing as good. I'd quite like that to grow. Um, and I'd also, being a car person, I'd quite like another car in the garage. Um, but again, that's that's my goals. You know, I'm, people, people might foresee me as being successful and have achieved what I need to achieve but I've also got goals the same as Richard Branson's got goals it's the same as I don't know a milkman's got goals it makes no difference where you are in life um but going back there's there's two words that I think that are on the extreme of of both ends that I question I don't necessarily like the words there's the word is fail I don't think that's a word that we should should people should use and the word perfect as well. I don't like the word perfect. You watch MasterChef or you watch TV and there's a lot of things as you have to achieve the perfect meal to get through to the next round. Well, what I perceive what as being... Yeah, what, what is perfect? What I perceive as perfect is not what somebody else perceives yeah. as perfect. Um, you've got Adrian Newey, who's one of the best Formula One designers there ever, there ever has been. Um, he won numerous, numerous championships with, with, with Red Bull. Do you think he ever sat on his laurels and think, oh, that's a perfect car. I don't have to bother anymore. No, he doesn't. He always strives for that next step forward. And again, the one year that Red Bull started to lose and they moved back down the championship, does he sit there and say, oh, I failed? No, he doesn't. It's such an amazing point. Um, you know, I think I think often we get so glued to, and it is important to have goals, but I guess it's also important to realise that in the pursuit of those goals, you have to 
keep going and keep going, keep going and constantly set yourself and, and, and speak to yourself in a way that is in many ways forgiving, but also to, 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 to keep striving and, and, and keep going. Um, and, you know, even in those, in those tough moments to somehow be able to come out of them and realize that actually, you know what, that I can, I can learn from this. I can, I can take lessons and I can, I can move forward. Um, for you, Stefan, um, how, how important has it been for you to enjoy the process of getting to where you are? Because I think often people kind of believe that it's about, you know, suffering and really taking huge amounts of sacrifice, personal sacrifices to get to, to get to, to, to get to where you want to get to. But I'm starting to realize that actually it is about enjoying the journey. Has that been quite an important part of your life as a whole as well? Definitely. Definitely. I think setting yourself realistic goals um, and it's not just an end goal. We all got an end goal, but set yourself incremental goals as well. And when you achieve those goals, give yourself some credit, sit back, absorb it. Just take a moment to, to appreciate what you've achieved. And if that means going to buy, go and buy yourself the watch you want, you know, just, just give yourself a little present. Give yourself a pat on the back. You've achieved that goal. Brilliant. Fantastic. Move on to the next goal. You know, the end goal is, is way down the line. You're not going to get to the end goal for a fair few years yet. So just appreciate that. But I think to have little, con- congratulate yourself in little little goals or little segments. And you say, buy yourself a watch, buy yourself a new pair of trainers, buy yourself a car. Just give yourself some credit for what you've achieved. So important. So, so important. I don't think people do that enough. I think, um, you know, being grateful and being and, and giving yourself the credit that you deserve sometimes is, is really important. Um, I want to I want to touch on cars, Stefan, because I think, you know, it's so clear that you love cars and, and, and love that space. Where did that come Just like from? Me. Where did that come <laughs> from? A little bit about that. Um, I've always I've always had a passion for, for anything with an engine. It can be a lawnmower, it can be a motorbike, it can be absolutely anything. Um, I was that kid that put some playing cards on the spokes of his push bike and his BMX to make it sound like a motorbike going down the road. Um, I was that I was that child that ran around on a on a pedal bike making vroom vroom noises. Um, but no, it, again, it's for me, it's the it's the speed. The thrill, um, I will say speed, obviously doing 70 miles an hour is all we do on a national speed limit on the road. If you want to go fast, do it on the track, of course. Um, but the speed, the thrill, um, yeah. I used to I used to also race motorbikes as well for a little while. Um, wasn't, wasn't greatly successful, but it's something I always wanted to do. And again, I achieved that goal. Nice big tick, pat on the back. Um, I've also built myself a, a Westfield kit car, um, which was which was a challenge, um, blood, sweat, and tears. But again, it was it was something that I wanted to set out to do. And being a being a stubborn person, I am. I was going to finish it, and I was going to drive it, and it was going to be brilliant, which of course it was. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like. It's the it's the people you meet as well, and the friends you get with 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 cars. Um, and I also quite like the lifestyle as well that come, that comes with with with, with nice cars. Um, I go on quite a few car tours. A friend of mine's got a car tour company, um, and it's a it's a group of like minded people with nice cars. Uh, we travel around Europe when it's not COVID restrictions. So hopefully sometime this year. Yeah. Um, and we yeah. stay in five star hotels or we'll go to the Monaco Grand Prix. It's just living that lifestyle for, for five minutes. Um, and again, going back to setting yourself goals, you know, a goal for mine every year is to make sure I go on a car tour to, to enjoy those five star lifestyle, if you want to call it that. What's your, um, what's your kind of dream? Let's call it the five-car garage, Stefan Oatway. What does that look like? 
Oh, five car garage. I like that question. Um, there's got to be a, 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 an F12 TDF in there because I absolutely adore F12 TDFs. Um, uh, and yeah. I think I think for for a daily it would be yeah. a Bentley GT Continental. Um, they've just bought the speed out actually, which is quite interesting. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And I think yeah. I think there will be there yeah. would be a hypercar in there, so it would be either a, a LaFerrari or um, a McLaren P1. Where are we up to now? That's three, isn't it? Um, four. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Let's be a bit sensible. Let's have a G wagon in there. Um, and I think I think it'd be. I think I think there'd be a, an SF ninety in there as well. Oh, the SF ninety! Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've I've actually seen I've wow. actually seen one in the flesh. The one that does like. Have you? Yeah, yeah, it was with the with the Fiorano track pack as well. Um, when I went to pick my car up, there was one sat in the showroom, and they look they look better in the flesh than doing pictures. I'll give them that. Um, the pictures don't do it, do it justice as such. Yeah, that is that is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, Stefan, I guess I guess uh, lastly, um, where can people find you? <laughs> Um, in, in in what way? <laughs> I'd rather not be found. <laughs> no, I think you know if, if it's if it's social media and obviously Yeah, if it's business wise, obviously um, I'm at uh, OatswayDesign.co.uk. Um, have a good nose around the website. I've got a direct email that you can just click on my face as such, and you come straight through to me on an email. Uh, Instagram, it's Stefan Oatesway or at Stefan Oatesway um, on Facebook as well, but I don't know what the tagline is for Facebook. I'll get lost with all this modern technology and media. Um, but yeah, I'm around and about um, and happy if, if people have got questions they want to come back to me on, tag me on Instagram, give me a question, give me a message. I'm more than happy to, to answer and to help people out. Honestly, Stephen, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your for your very precious time uh, this 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 Saturday this Saturday morning, and uh, yeah, and and I look forward to uh, staying in touch. Thank you very much. Oh, brilliant! Thank you very much for having me, and yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>